Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. He's a man who's going to tell you like it is. You can never be afraid of something that you don't know about. Now that's ignorance. And for us, ignorance is not bliss. He's a man who's not afraid to talk about the real issues and not skate around it. Don't you think it's about time that you got tired of where you are? I mean, you have got to be ready for God to do something for you and let him move. He's a man who loves his God, his country, and his people. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not too fond of the political state of the world, and particularly the U.S. as it is right now. But if you want change, you have to make it happen. You can't keep settling for less than what you ought to have. He's a man who's sowing seeds of life, love, and liberation to anybody who's willing to hear. There comes a point in time where everybody just needs to shut their mouth up and listen to God. And God is the one who will lead us and God is in our truth. He'll tell us everything we need. That covers every area, every facet from politics to church to you name it. God's got it covered. He's a man that seeks the heart of God for the people of God. You're listening to Zero Today with Pastor Lorenzo Neal. Pastor Lorenzo O'Neill, hailing from Cajun Land, USA, here to present you with seeds of wisdom, insight, empowerment, and liberation. And as always, it's our goal here to promote a knowledge that is engaging and transforming. And we want you, our listeners, always, every week we do this, we want to empower you to knowing, being, doing, and impacting the world around you. And as always, you're welcome to join us on this illuminating journey. There's several ways you can do it. First and the biggest way is to call in uh, on the number. Uh, uh, I cannot talk. <laughs> call in the number 347-237-5230. That's the number to call to get your thoughts, insights, inspirations, commentations, commendations, whatever it may be, commentary, to get that on the air live. You can do that. That's, again, 347-237-5230. You can hit us up on uh, the Facebook page is your network on Facebook. Like that page. You can listen to it. Uh, all kinds of stuff on that page. You can send us comments on that page. You can do all that. We like that. Follow us on Twitter. My personal Twitter, Pastor, uh, Prophesy, at Prophesy. Man, I am. I, let me slow down. I'll slow my roll. Uh, hit me an email, Pastor Lorenzo Neal at Gmail. And the chat room is open, so you can get in on the chat line and, and uh, share your thoughts, insights, and liberation. Uh, Okay, let me press pause and start over. <laughs> I didn't have coffee this morning. But you know what? I'm not in this boat by myself. This morning I got somebody helping me. So, Thomas, man, you going to help me out this morning? Well, I suppose I will. Uh, good, because you see, I'm already messing up. 
<laughs> uh, I got joining with me my good buddy Thomas Arnold, all the way from Arkansas, Pine Bluff, Arkansas, my old stumping grounds. My buddy, my main man, my baby daddy. <laughs> hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. <laughs> <laughs> Folks are going to get the wrong impression now. Hold up, hold up, hold up. The father of my God kids, I tell you. His three video. beautiful daughters, his three beautiful daughters somehow claim me. I, you know, I've conned them into believing that. <laughs> but I'm glad that he's on the show with me this morning. He's going to be helping me out. And we got a lot that we're going to be discussing. Of course, I'm going to put my two, my two cents in on this whole Sterling thing. And, and then we'll get into the topic. The main topic that I want to talk about is a continu- continuation of what we talked about last week and uh, beyond religion. Um, Alternative paths to the sec- to the sacred. So we're gonna we're gonna talk about that. But we, you know we're gonna we're gonna give a dab up. When I'm when I'm with Thomas, we're all over the place. So I don't really know how it's gonna go. But you know it's gonna go somewhere. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna try our best to stay on task. Is that is it is that fair? Yeah, that's fair. They're gonna learn today though. Oh boy! All right, but before we go any further, as always, we start the program off with prayer, and we're gonna do that now, and then we will get into our uh, couple of topics. Uh, for today. Father, just want to thank you for the day. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. Thank you for your loving kindness. Thank you for the opportunity to do this show. We pray, oh God, that you allow the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart to be acceptable in your sight. We ask in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited. This is, I can't believe that this is the last day of April. And because it's the last day of April, tomorrow will be the first day of May, which means it's my birthday month. I'm excited about that. But uh, uh, if if you've been following the news, we've been having some storms here in the south, and it's been really, really tough. I mean, we've had a lot of losses here in the south because of tornadoes and um, things like that. uh, I know in Arkansas, there are about 15 to 16 people that have been confirmed dead in Arkansas from the tornado here in uh, Mississippi, the one that touched down on Monday evening. We have at least four reported tra- uh, fatalities and a lot of damage. And I, I'm just grateful. Uh, you know, it, 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 we had some touchdown, and we had the effects of strong winds, but it, it did not, in my area, you know, we just had the severe rains and flooding. But I'm just grateful, you know, it wasn't it wasn't worse as it could have been. Because, you know, Thomas, uh, I know up in Arkansas, you know, <laughs> we always had them. Always had yeah. them. We only, I mean, there's still quite a bit of loss of life, and repair crews are still going on even as we speak, and um, private organizations are coming out of the woodwork to help. It's really a great thing that's going on up here in in Arkansas. It happened a a little taste bit north of us here in Pine Bluff. It's just a short 30, 40 minutes away from the the nearest spot that was hit. Now, this tornado was a big one. It was at least a half a mile wide, and it stretched about 80 miles. Oh, wow. It down. So it cut a pretty good swath in the land. Um, but everything as well as it can be. Um, I haven't heard any new news reports about any more loss of life from the governor's office or the secretary of state. But uh, – it's going as about as well as you can expect. Uh, rebuilding will happen. It's an old hat for Arkansas. It's just that we don't um, enjoy having a loss that much of loss of life with 
uh, coming with it because there were 15 lives lost in last count, and that number did fluctuate up to 16, and then it went back down to 14, and then it was confirmed 15 as of yesterday. So we we just had to pray God's grace and then lend a helping hand to our brothers and sisters. Yeah, and, and, and that's all we can do. Now, you know what? You mentioned how big y'all's were. The one here was just crazy. When I say crazy, I mean it was jumping across the interstate. Uh, uh, we were getting, re- you know, I was listening to the reports, and I just, I was like, you know, they were saying it was on one side of the highway, then uh, didn't do any damage, but then it crossed across the interstate, and it did a lot of damage. Mm-hmm. A lot, a lot of damage. So, you know, you can't. They're unpredictable, but I'm just grateful. You know, that's that's all I can say. I'm just grateful. And we have a story here uh, in Louisville, Mississippi, where and and this is really and there was one in in Arkansas I read too, but it was really heroic. Uh, uh, A daycare worker lost her life while saving the life of a child. and then I, in Arkansas, I believe it was a father who saved the life of his daughter. He covered, he, you know, covered yeah, himself. Mm-hmm. And so it's stories like that that uh, make the difference when you have incidents like this. You know, these people, that's, that's love, especially here with the woman and, and the child. That was a daycare worker, and it's just amazing that she still, you know, she didn't think it robbery to, to protect that child. Now, I wish we had more like that. We really do need more. Uh, but, you know, it'll get there, I suppose. Well, I, I got to do a quick sidebar. My my lovely wife just walked in, and I had to watch her for a second. And and I, I would try to get her to say hello, but, you know, she is a very busy lady. So um, let me welcome the studio audience and everyone else to, to Mrs. Arnold. Say hi, Mrs. Arnold. Hello. See, I told you this is unpredictable. This, this, I don't know where this is going to go. Hi. Hi. She knows that uh, I'm on my break. Huh? Baby shower. Oh, she's uh doing doing her uh, her her side thing, you know, making cookies, baking sweet things, and just going and, and pretty much making me a gopher. Yeah. Don't get any better than that, I suppose. Yep, yep, yep. See, okay, we just, we just, we, we, like I said before, this is this is going to get out of control. <laughs> I don't know how this is going to end. No, but we're going to try our best to stay on task. I did take my Adderall this morning, so I should be all right. Now, on him, I can't talk. I, I don't know about him, but, you know, I, I should be all right. <laughs> but anyway, like, like I was saying, you know, uh, while these storms are in, unpredictable, it's a good thing to know that the uh, humanity still can and can follow through and still can you know bring out the best of people. Uh, that's what I appreciate. You know, that's, that's what I gather from. You know, and I appreciate all those who who uh, hit me up afterwards. You know, they were checking on me, uh, seeing if everything was all right. It was. I just appreciate that. And not only myself, but I'm sure many others who received such notices. I'm sure they were very grateful. So. So we're uh, th- that's that's a good thing, but uh, moving right along into the big deal. Uh, you, you have anything else you wanted to add to that, Thomas? Yeah. Well, no, that's all I had to say is that um, the people over here in the state of Arkansas keep up the good work. 
We've been hearing about it all over the radio and newscasts, and it's nothing quite like seeing people helping one another for a good reason and out of no, with no side strings attached. Companies coming out. Um, Verizon has waived um, the extra call charges um, on overage fees for for their customers in the affected areas here in here in Arkansas, and that included about four zip codes. Um, and actually, they got out mobile mobile trucks to help people with their wireless services, uh, recharging their phones, giving them some net capabilities so they can contact their their families. And so that's really a great thing. Walmart is um, Tyson. I'm sorry, Tyson has shipped out over 80,000 meals on by the truckload already to Oklahoma, and they're sending in to Arkansas now, and I believe they'll be doing the same for Mississippi and Florida as well. Yeah, so, I believe they will. It's going on right now. And, and, and that, again, that gives, that, gives um, that, that, that shows you that the state of humanity isn't all lost. Is <laughs> not all lost. Yeah, by no means. Well, let let's get on to this first this first first big topic. I, I, I the show we're going to be talking about sacred paths, but before we get into the sacred path, I, as I said in the introduction, I I want to get my little two cents, four cents, six cents, a dollar in on this uh, um, Sterling issue and the Clippers and and all of this. And and I'm telling you, and Thomas and I we've we've talked about this before, but you know we're just going to share a little bit of our, our since everybody else is doing this. I, I figure I might as well do it too. So here it goes. Um, and I'm not trying to be overkill, but I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I find this whole this whole incident with Sterling to be a bunch of ridiculousness. And I, I say it because I know that's not a, that's not a word, but you know I watch MTV and that TV show has got me making that word. <laughs> Thank you, Rob Dirdrick. Um But the fact that you know, we got all out of, all out of lump, out of sync, out. I mean, everything because of this rich white dude, this wealthy white dude, who, you know, apparently has a history of uh, discrimination and I don't like using the word racism, but you know, he has that that he has a history of that, and his girlfriend or whatever she is, his side chick. Is the one who brings him down because she secretly records him, saying that. And, and we we never hear, uh, as far as I know, the full the full uh, recording has not been leaked, uh, as far as been out on the media. And I I don't think you can even find a full recording. You just get those little sound bites, and that's all it takes now. Yeah, that's that's all it takes is a little sound bite, and we don't know if it was meshed together, patched together. You know, all we got is the sound bite and. And because of the sound bite, he has been banned from the NBA, which I think is irrelevant because you're talking about a guy who's wealthy, who <laughs> who is 80 years old. What the what the heck does he care? You know, I mean, he doesn't have to go to another. He doesn't have to go to another NBA game on his. He's on the board of directors. He was, I assume they with the ban that means he was off the board of directors also. But you're talking about a person who has. Uh, you know, who would turn down if he offered to buy another team? <laughs> I doubt if anybody would turn him down. 
but that's just. Uh, well, you know, in this world, the long green speaks loud and it speaks clearly. And with with what's happened, two point five million in in fines and then the lifetime ban, but they can't stop him from being an owner. No, they can't stop I'm him from being an the private owner. property rights then. But they they are attempting to force him to sell the team. And you know, I've been watching the Facebook and you know all these all these rumors now that Magic Johnson wants to buy the team. Of course, that's not that's that is incorrect. But you know, it's the idea that you know he now the person who is uh, he is allegedly discriminating against Magic Johnson is now uh, allegedly put, uh, putting interest in. Uh, purchasing the team, of course. That you know, again, both is alleged. Yeah. But my whole thing is, we said this before, Thomas. You and I we talked about this before. I think that we are, as a country, especially as black people, so reactionary. We need something to react to, and it has to be racist. We we don't want to re- react to when it's self-inflicted uh, crime or self-inflicted hate. Or self-inflicted, you know, all of that. We don't want to react to that. It has to be from somebody else for us to generate a reaction, and that's what disturbs me. Not to, I am not taking any slack off the Sterling. What he said was, you know, all his dispositions toward people of color is wrong on so many levels. There is no way to justify it. There's no way to defend him. I don't care. There's just no way to do it. However, you know. Uh, We've got to get past this knee-jerk reaction uh, thing that we have as people. I mean, it's like they're waiting for some white person to mess up (laughs) and some white person to say or do something so they can have a reason to say or do something. It's just crazy. Well, you know, two wrongs don't make a right. Three rights, I mean, three rights make a left, but, you know, two wrongs never make a right. So... In the instance with Holland and and, and being so thin-skinned lately about what people say is that, number one, we as black people, and, and this is almost a direct quote from Cedric the Entertainer, quit lying to ourselves. And I think when, once we stop lying to ourselves, we can get a whole lot further in what we want to accomplish. I mean, and, and and the lies that we perpetuate about ourselves, they ain't just relegated to just being black. It ain't a black thing. It ain't a white thing. We all put on our own our own facades and our masks, so to speak, to hide what we really are. Now, with the uh, Sterling situation, was that said inside his own house or a private conversation? Yep. Was she wrong for setting him up? Yep. Should that have been put out in the media? Nope. But should the NBA have done something about him sooner? Yep. Because everybody knew how he was acting. They they like to keep that a, a, a secret. But you you can't stop somebody from conducting business just because you know they're they're acting a jerk. But you know. And, and that's essentially what what the NBA is doing, but um, that's the business that he's in right now. I mean, of course, that's not the only one. I've never seen a, a, 
a major league sports team owner be just involved in one business. So, you know what, boycott him, go right ahead. But how's that going to help you? I mean, he, he, I mean, he might have issues and and have some racist things to say with black folks, but I don't see his team walking. But and, and that's so, the, here's the, you know here's my issue. Here's here's my issue with this. Uh, the fact that this woman exploited this man, uh, intentionally exploited this man, says a lot for herself and says a lot for the character of the nation because we are allowing things to happen like that. And and, and again, I'm not I'm not being defensive of him, I'm not trying to in any in any manner. But, you know, this has become it seems like that's become the norm. It's it's blackmail with uh with you know, it's positive blackmail. Think about the uh think about what the WikiLeaks and all these other uh, little scandals. Uh, ah, Julian Assange. Huh? Julian Assange. <laughs> yeah, uh, but the the Snowden guy, you know, with the NSA leaks and the stuff like that. Um, the the fact that the fact that uh, the people are not necessary, or, or people are no longer relegated to to um, you know control their thoughts. And you know, if if that had not been leaked, no one would ever assume that he was racist. Nobody, even if they knew it publicly, he didn't. Besides the people who worked for him. Yeah, publicly he never gave it. I mean, he's sitting next to black. You know, he hires black coaches. He hires black play, players. He interacts with them. You know, up until now, you know, they were inter- some were interacting. Not all, but some were interacting with them. He was very cordial with them. Uh, you, you, you know, and. You never would have guessed. Heck, the NAACP apparently bought into it because they were about to give him that award. <laughs> and if it had not been leaked, no one would have cared the uh, the, the, the bit. Not by it. No one would have cared. That's true. The fact that now, you know, he has been demonized because of, the, uh, of a selfish act, and I will say it's a selfish act, uh, you know, she's going to profit from it. We don't know how she's going to profit from it, but she's going to profit from it. Write a book. But, yeah, write a book. You know, get a reality show. Hey, who knows? <laughs> who knows? And who cares? But that's the way the world is going. But, you know, you brought up something, and, and you and I talked about this in, in our uh, discussion off the air. What really concerns me is the issue, the privacy issue. Um, the privacy issue is the one thing that really concerns me. And Kareem Abdul-Jabbar wrote an article, fantastic article, regarding this. And while he addressed the issue of of, of race in it, uh, the primary concern that he was addressing is the issue of privacy and the domains thereof. Hey, what, what are your thoughts on that? You got any? Well, when, because I've been getting a lot of uh, a lot of feedback on issues like that, not specifically with the that situation, but with say, let's talk about Common Core for a minute because it kind of sidebars into it. It comes with privacy issues. If anybody's who read anything about Common Core, uh, and if you know about it, for the listeners out there, it has to do with the the quote unquote new math that folks are talking about. 
but it's not just a set of math standards. It's a set of education standards from um, how does the educational associations put it? They put it from the cradle to the grave. Now, now part of this stuff did start way back when, when people started wanting more federal oversight of local education. Now, but the problem is with Common Core is that they are data mining our kids with what um, the information that they're asking for. And with that data mining comes a whole lot of unsolicited things. You know, the rule, it, it's the, um, what's called the, the, the law of unintended consequences. Yeah. When you have the laws of unintended consequences, you've got a lot of things that gets into, in the way because of this rule that you want or that rule that you want. And we got to remember that in a free society, people must be allowed to, to do what they want and be allowed to make their own mistakes and their own decisions. Now, when we give something, when we give something that's traditionally in state and, and local control over to the federal government, we lose our power. And yes, for all you history buses, that's sounding like a states' rights issue. Yes, it is a states' rights issue. All powers in the Constitution of the United States government that are not relegated specifically to the federal government is automatically remanded to the states. Constitution 101, sports fans. Now, when we start giving our control over that is relegated to the states over to the federal government, the federal government doesn't do anything but one thing right, and that's grow the federal government. They will mess Absolutely. up everything else, but they Absolutely. will grow federal government. Absolutely. And when that happens, the federal government only wants two things. They want control and they want money. The power is and, automatic. And, and again, the NBA is is uh represent it's actually given you know, uh uh Kind of, kind of doing that because while while the commissioner had his grounds for 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 you know banning or whatever, it was more to me is more symbolic act than you know a, a real act. Uh, of course, but, it but but it it gives it gives insight into uh, the overreaching of uh, of power and on so many levels. You know, again. Uh, I, you know the whole the whole of the matter is this was an individual expressing individual thoughts to another individual that were private that had nothing yeah, it was not a crime you know of course some want to want to treat it as such but it's not a crime it's not uh it's not destructive to the team it's not destructive to the players i mean because what his remarks don't have anything to do with their athletic skill. His remarks don't have anything to do. And if you disagree with me, please ch- chime in. Uh, don't be afraid to share. Uh, but from my perspective, what he said has nothing to do with anything but how he feels. But to infringe on those thoughts and exploit them, you know, is, is counter to the idea of liberty and freedom uh, that we so much care about that, that that's my perspective on it but you know i could be wrong what do i know you know <laughs> look, look we're going to take a hard break because uh you know i don't want to run this in the ground it's, it's already you know <laughs> it's already ran as far as it could go but we're going to take a quick break and when we come back from the break we're going to get into this topic of alternative paths to the sacred and 
you know, um, uh, and then help you, the listener, develop your own personal program for spiritual development, spiritual growth, spiritual growth, uh, development. We'll, we'll do that on, as we come back for the break. But I, I you know, I, I know it's not a sad day in America because we got a, a lot of good people, we got a lot of good work. We'll get back right after this. University of Arkansas at Pine Bluff. I'm part of a place where I'm always challenged to do more. I am a part of a place where I can be involved. I'm a part of a place where everything is possible. I'm part of a place where champions are made. At the University of Arkansas at Pine Bluff, you can get an affordable education with competitive degree offerings, diverse student population, and stellar faculty. Become part of a place where you can get everything you need to succeed. Become a part of the pride at the University of Arkansas at Pine Bluff. Suits today aren't like suits from yesterday. Part of it is the cut of today's suit. Short jacket, narrow lapel, moderate fit. But part of it is the cut of the man himself. Because today, it's not so much the brand of suit that defines the man, as it is the brand of man who wears it. You're going to like the way you look. I guarantee you. Friends, there's nothing as soothing as having a sweet aroma penetrate all of your senses. Peacock, the newest candle fragrance by Heatcentric, is that aroma. Peacock is a vegan hand-poured candle that fills the room with a soothing aroma that everyone is guaranteed to enjoy. Peacock by Heatcentric is the fragrance developed by Lady Jocelyn Sanders that's designed to reflect the glory in everyday life. I guarantee you will not disappoint it when you order your candle today from Heatcentric. I have one at home and in my office, and I tell you, it's so good. It helps me relax at home, and it helps me concentrate and stay on task in the office. You need to order yours today by visiting LadySanders.com, and while they also pick up a copy of her book, The Encounter, I'm telling you, you will love both. Peacock by Heatcentric, reflecting the glory in everyday life. At Farmers, we make you smarter about insurance because what you don't know can hurt you. What if you didn't know that posting your travel plans online may attract burglars? Talk to Hawaii. What if you didn't know that as the price of gold rises, so should the coverage on your jewelry? Ah. What if you didn't know that kitty litter can help you out of a slippery situation? The more you know, the better you can plan for what's ahead. Talk to Farmers and get smarter about your insurance. We are Farmers. Bum, da, da, bum, 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 bum.
All right, welcome back to Zero Today. Again, I'm your host, Pastor Lorenzo Neal. I'm joined by my buddy, Thomas Arnold. I'm glad that you are here with me, buddy. And uh, you know, the last the last segment we kind of went over a little bit, but we we you know we dug in on the on this Sterling and Clippers things and all kinds of stuff. And but you know, the bottom line is uh, we should be as 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 all people love each other. And I didn't say tolerate everybody. <laughs> Some things we you know we gotta tolerate everyone to love everyone, but we need to be respectful of all peoples, all colors, races, and you know, it is what it is. But I digress. So I want to get into this, the the topic today. Last week we we introduced a a subject, uh, a topic about exploring the alternative paths uh, to the sacred. And I, I drew most of this from a book by Dr. David N. Elkins, who is a renowned psychologist, professor, instructor, you name it. He He's it. He's he's done it. He was also uh, a minister, an ordained minister. Um, but he wrote a book called Beyond Religion, and in his book he lifts, uh, he prescribes a means for individuals to create a personal program for spiritual development through non-traditional or non-religious means. And what fascinates me about this, uh, Thomas, is the fact that you know, I I, I I've been in the church all my life, you know. I've been in ministry over half my life, and church becomes monotonous. Ministry becomes monotonous. The routine that people adapt to and never want to get out of, and they think that they are doing God a favor by doing it, you know, per- perpetuating this whole idea that the more I do this in church, the holier or spiritual I am. And they don't really have a a relationship or they never really seriously encounter the divine. They don't. They don't have a real connection. They they are disconnected, and they're disconnected because it, it, it actually manifests in their relationship with others. Uh, and, you know, I can't say how it manifests in their relationship with God, with God, but because we can't determine that, you know, just like we can't determine who's a racist and who's not. But one thing we can determine. Is by interacting. Well, I, let me scratch that stuff. That's that last statement because we can't determine who's racist or not by their interaction with each other uh, directly. But well, if, uh, and inject, I mean, that comes back to what Jesus said: by by uh, a fruit is known by. I mean, a tree is known by its fruit. Exactly. Or exactly. Whatever's in you is going to come out. So leave it right there. So, but. But in, in using this book, uh, we get, I was in a class uh, for my doctoral program, and the the object of the class was to develop a program for spiritual development, to create a program for spiritual development that was essentially non-religious. And, you know, the pastor in me, the Christian in me, was like, no way that can be done. There's no way you can do that. How can you... Uh, become spiritual, you know. It's, there, there's no way to do that. You know, I had the mindset that I had, it had to be church related, and, and I'm sure so many, so many people do. And I'm not taking the church away from it. I'm just trying to, you know, uh, disconnect the, the, break the dichotomy. Uh, I'm not even sure if that's the right word, but from my, from my, from my, from doing the program, what I discovered. 
what I discovered was that by taking away myself from the church and all aspects of that, I was able to, to experience the divine in a greater way, you know. It, I wasn't a, it wasn't a, like, you know, some pop, you know, some people say they, they, they're the bedroom Christian or <laughs> they had the bedside church. It, it wasn't like that. It, it was something that was, that was more meaningful, a deeper connection to the divine. And, and I realized that. Uh, in his book, he puts it this way, and, and Thomas, I'm, I'm, you know, you'd be surprised some of the things that he lists that um, can bring people to a connection with the divine. Uh, he lists eight, uh, first being the feminine, uh, the arts, the body, psychology, mythology, nature, relationships, and dark nights of the soul. And last week on the show, I tried to talk a little bit about um, – mythology and uh, nature and relationship because for me we were just coming off Easter coming off Easter Sunday and I you know I, I, I mentioned how here in the West we've really lost touch with nature uh, we, we we don't experience nature like our ancestors did or our grandparents even for that matter you know great-grandparents you know they had a, a deeper appreciation for nature uh, that we do because you know we've gotten a little more civilized and uh, urbanized, and, and we don't we don't appreciate it. We don't engage nature as much as we used to, and and I said that also correlates with uh, community. When I, and when I when I think of nature and I think of relationships, I think of community, and I think the disjunct between our communities is a reflection of that also. Um, just like we talked about, you know, seeing those others help others after these storms. To me, that is a that is a greater sense of a divine connection in all of us, and that should, at least to me, it helps me want to pursue a greater connection with God and and, and my fellow man. What, what what do you say to that, Thomas? Well, when when it comes to 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 thinking about how we're all connected or how we choose to be disconnected nowadays in our, our society. It's so easy to to choose to be disconnected from everything, it, uh, to go off the grid, so to speak. You know, not be on um, your cell phones, on the Internet, on Facebook, Twitter, social media, Web 2.0 and 3.0, whatever they call on the web nowadays. Yeah. As much as it brought us together, it also separated us. And I say that because exactly, I say that because you know, um, even though we know the, we can really realize that old old adage about there's really about six degrees separation from anyone on the planet. That's actually able to be realized nowadays, but at the cost of personal relationships. And. And those interpersonal relationships and those skills are are, are now being lost in, in, in the generation who grew up with it most. You know, I came out of the generation that were born in the 70s and did a lot of the, our, our younger years in the 80s and 90s and, and, you know, graduated out of high school in the 90s as well. And so we saw a lot of 
in my generation, both of it, we saw the advent of the personal computer. Uh, of the personal computer. We saw the advent of Steve Jobs and 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 with Apple and Microsoft and and we saw the Cold War and and all these life changing and world changing experiences. But we also saw the problems that come with it. Those unintended consequences to to go back to it. Just because we can talk to everyone in the world doesn't mean we need to put all our personal business out on the air. And just because we can talk, you know, we can we can say what we want to about Facebook, but we don't realize that we're probably going to have some repercussions when we go to when we try to get hired for a job. Or I've seen this on so many court TV shows. For a person to say something on Facebook that was all out of pocket, and they're talking out of the side of their neck, so to speak. But then, if they see someone in the club or in the, or in the mall or something, a fight gets started, and they're thrown in jail over it. And how did that get started? Because we don't we don't see our personal relationships the same way. Well, you you you're absolutely right. And I was going to you know you you brought up a point that the the media that was supposed to make us more connected. You know, it has really been divided, and it's even more so in the church. I mean, the church now is no longer a community, and so, or well, not lo- no longer, uh, but it's rare. You know, with the onset of these mega churches, you have people who can go and they give an they get an idea of connection, but it really is a disconnect because you know uh, they may be connected to a small group. You know, just a family, and then it goes from there. Or, you know, they may be completely isolated and enjoy that isolation. They have no commitment for the church, towards the church or the pastor. They can just say, I go here, you know, or that's my pastor or that's my church and have no direct connection with that. Uh, or even in the community, you know, particularly now as churches are moving out of the urban communities into the suburbs, black churches in particular. You know, there's that disconnect. People, you know, people driving around the community that needs the services to go somewhere where they aren't needed. And the people, who, you know, they're, they're desperately trying to find some way to supplement that that that, that idea of, 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 of service in the church. Uh-huh. And, and so, you know, you know, instead of going out and serving in the community, they just... They give a few dollars and say that well, I gave to this charity, I gave to this church function, I gave to that, and they they feel they're sufficient. Yeah. Or or or, or what could be worse nowadays is that um, we we we've gotten this notion, and this is church folk, this is Christian, this is everybody. This is just a general mindset that starts started um, setting in, and I'm sure you've noticed. Um, is being a pastor, and that's the fact that we expect the government to take care of everything. Yeah. When that could be, that couldn't be further from the truth. When the founders of the of, of this nation thought uh, thought up this great experiment, as they called it, they were still expecting the church to be fully functioning. That's why you have like um, I believe it was John Adams when. When there were people who were trying to to immigrate over and, and get asylum from their home country because they were on the run, he said one of the most 
blatantly, you could consider it mean-spirited, but it was thought-provoking. He said, I can't remember in the whole of this Constitution that I helped, I helped write to where we're supposed to be giving out benef- uh, benefits of benevolence. So, so, so I, I want the audience to think about that for a minute. Now, granted, most of the founding fathers were very, and I do mean very, active in their local churches. This country was established for folks in Christendom to have freedom to worship how they choose to see fit. But one of the founders is saying, I don't see how the federal government and this whole Constitution has the right to be giving out taxpayer money for objects of benevolence. He said that, and one reason I think is because that the church was still active. If they wanted charity, you go to the church. Right. Go for it from the government. Go looking for it from the people you need to. Now, the government can't grant asylum, but that doesn't mean they have to pay your way. So now to bring that back to the topic at hand was that in, in, in an activity since the church, by and large, we've lost our, our sense of community, number one, and that's propagated on uh, on how the people see themselves. When when the family you start seeing themselves as disconnected, then that that mindset will go on into the church because the church is built on families. So, and once once that whole thought line starts getting getting messed up, it'll start pervading the whole thing like a plague, like like a virus, like a bad infection. And it, it it ain't just relegated to the church. Like I said, it's relegated in the community and, and, and in the cities and in the streets and and in the states, and then it's all over the place by the end. It, it, it propagates itself like a virus. And, and the thing to get past that is that we have to start seeing ourselves more connected than what we are. I agree. I agree. I, I – and – I think part of our problem as people is we have gotten away we've gotten away from the mystical aspect of our faith. Uh um and and this is what the book and Dr. Elkins really invites us to, you know, getting back to the mystical uh, uh expression and indulgence of our faith and uh, because we've become ritualized and faith has never been about rituals. God, I mean, Jesus talked about the rituals. Paul discarded the rituals, the law, and, and all of those things. And, you know, he encouraged them to get beyond the rituals. John the Baptist was the biggest promoter of proponent of getting beyond the rituals to getting to uh, the, the essence of true connection with the divine. Yeah. And, and I, you know, what bothers me? We have folk in the church, and church has now become a verb. Uh, <laughs> love is supposed to be the verb that the church uses. You, you know, yeah, exactly. Love is supposed to be the, the verb, but we had church. Well, you know, oh, we church <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you know, so now church becomes equivalent to some kind of experiential activity. So if somebody – if 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 you have a church of 100 people and 50 people shouting, oh, we had church. Or if the, choir, <laughs> if the choir sings and, you know, the tune goes over 20 minutes, 
<laughs> Ooh, we had church. We had good church. We had good church. But but what what kind of word were you receiving? Did you did you uh, did did all that singing and all that shouting and all that everything else? Did that get you? Did that when you leave the building? Did that point you closer to God? Did you start saying, "Well, God," when you got home later that day or the next day or or that Tuesday night after? Well, God, because of what happened on Sunday, I I think I'm gonna have a little more hope to carry on. I think I'm gonna treat my my family right. I think I'm going to do this. I think I'm going to do that. If it didn't do that, then it's absolutely worthless. Exactly. So let's let's, let's indulge in some of these. Now, he lists the sacred uh, being able to be accessed uh, through the feminine, observation of the feminine, and uh, that includes the the body, uh, the erotic, and I, I know from experience, you know, that that sensuality is a great way to, <laughs> to get beyond the physical and, and encounter the metaphysical. And I I had not really had not really known how it could be a means of connecting with the divine. But when you go through and you you visit the ancient world and you see how it almost seems that they were obsessed with the phallics and the feminine. You know, uh-huh. uh, even 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 um, in in ancient Christian and well, in some parts of ancient Gnosticism, Gnosticism, Christian Gnosticism, the feminine was a, a means of grace. And exploring their uh, you know, they connected both Jesus with the divine feminine and God Mother and stuff like that. And here in the West, of course, you know, we haven't even embraced that. Uh, that's something I, I, I had not really, I didn't explore that part. <laughs> I, I, I'm learning how to, I, I'm learning how sensuality is, is a means of, uh, encountering the sacred, but, you know, we've over eroticized everything and I'm still learning how to disconnect, uh, the sexual part from the sensual part and being able just to enjoy and indulge in sensuality without it becoming sexual, without it becoming perverted. Uh, and it's difficult, at least for me. Maybe maybe not for you. You're a married man. You get to do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, we got to remember that that one thing that when, when folks talk about the sensual, they aren't always talking about something that has to deal with having sex. Uh, I agree. Right? You're right. Number one, exactly. sensual, in, in, the root, in the root words of sensual is sense. You got to sense something, and how do we sense with our five senses? You know, so we we we've got to start there, and I think there's a lot of um, quote unquote, uh, how do I put it? I I I would say there's a lot there there we're living in an oversex we're living in an oversex society, and we can't separate the fact that when we think with our 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 bodies our our flesh. We think that everything that has to do with it, when we hear the word sensual, it has to do with sex. It's not the case at all. And so we forget that smell, touch, taste, hearing, you know, that all has something to do with it. That's how we commune with the world around us. That's how we we can get into the part about nature and and and. and and how we deal with how how we how we picture ourselves even, and, and even with psychology, a lot of psychology has to deal with how we picture ourselves. 
They called that yeah. in the Matrix our residual self-image to 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 get geeky on everybody. And and when when we do that, that's one way that we we connect with the world around us. If we we feel the wind blowing through our hair, short as it is, or 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 or, or the kiss of sunlight on our our skin when the days are cold. And I'm I'm waxing poetic. I, I I really shouldn't try to show my age as much nowadays. I try not to. Yeah, I'm <laughs> older, but um. See, my wife is already talking. She says that I'm getting older, and and both her and my oldest daughter are always playing in my hair. This, that's a sensual thing because they see it now that I'm starting to grow a little gray. And that ain't nothing new for my family. I mean, my mother, she prematurely grayed. She was way more grayer than I was. I am now. At the time, she was about mm, in her mid-40s. Her hair almost went completely white. But I deal with that quite well, I think. But I, but, I ramble now, but that's one way we can deal with, you know, just communing with nature and, and psychology because – we we have to we have to to know these things for ourselves and experience them, you know, within our own bodies. That's not something you can just, you know, have a ha you know, a, a quote unquote feeling the hair on the back of your neck rise up and you having some sort of quote unquote spiritual experience when it's just your emotions getting all out of whack. Hey, but you know, this this is this is this is where conflict come for us preachers. Uh, I, I, and and I know I'm trying to you know I, trying to trying to uh, to not make this a, uh, you know too much of a Christian or, or or churchy thing, but I have to go back to you know the scripture, and Paul is the one who presents this primarily in in the New Testament, the idea of sensually uh, a sensualized individual being condemned or disconnected from the kingdom. And think about what he mentions in Galatians, the works of the flesh, <laughs> you know, and he, he he rolls that off as if and these these are all behavioral as well as sensual uh, things, activities or beha- you know uh, moments, however you want to call it, and it has been interpreted over the centuries as Paul being one who is disgusted with those. You know the idea that humani- humans are sensual, and because of this sensuality, we must discard the sensuality in order to engage the the divine. Well, I, I think I got a different view about that. Everybody knows that. I mean, well, everybody should know that. Number one, to do some of the things that Paul has done, he he, he definitely was not. Uh, um, number one, he won the eunuch. Well, that's right. Number two, he was married at one point in time. Now, I mean, at least that's the speculation because it never says. We know that a lot of the disciples and the apostles were married. But by that time, in Paul's, maybe his wife was dead. You know, maybe they had a divorce. You know, it doesn't matter. But he was saying he was saying it from the aspect of look, I'm single. 
look, all this time that most everybody else devotes to their flesh, I can devote to God. He was trying to make a, 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 a statement in differences. He didn't say everything was wrong. He said those those actions that are 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 are, are sensual that leads to sin were the problem. He he didn't say nothing about that being you was a problem. He said that them actions that don't do nothing but lead to a whole lot of lot of no good. He said that's the stuff that's going to get you. But how should we how should we articulate that? In a means that's not churchy, in a means that's not condemning, in a way that is in empowering people to seek the divine. Because you know, and this is the argument that I hear from people who have, uh, uh, you know, uh, different or, or you know variations on sensual, uh, romantic, r- romantic expressions. You know, same-sex loving individuals, polymorous loving. Individuals, polygamous. The argument is the same that they, they, that's who they are. You know that is a that is a part of their existential self as existential being, and to deny that would be denying the fullness of themselves, the essence and the very very likeness. And 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 we have well. We put that in scripture. We we haven't put that in scripture. We put that in scripture. You know, we have a lot of heathens. <laughs> not in, a, not in. You know, I'm not trying to denounce, but I'm not using heathen in in a in a bad way. I'm just talking about you know people who would just be over stigma, you know, stimulated by that sensuality. And, and I think that's kind of where we are a little bit. I'm learning to. I'm I'm learning that you know, I'm. A, Potential individual, but uh, I'm not repressing that in, or overexpressing it. I, I guess I could say, in some ways, to express it altogether could could cause a lot more harm to me as an individual. But that's me, you know. And I, I cannot impose that on any other person because my, uh, you know, the struggle is a little harder or rougher, or, you know, different for me. But let me let me ask you this other question. Sure. Have you ever? I'm 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 shifting to another one uh, path uh, with the arts. Have you ever experienced a either a visual contact with a visual or performing art that gave you this sense of a divine encounter? Oh man, that. <laughs> happens all the time and how i can say this because this this is um actually is hidden on 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 art and mythos at the same time okay now take one of my me and my my oldest daughter's favorite favorite movie series and that's um J.R.R. tolkien's uh, lord of the rings yeah now now when you look at it you think hey great movie hey better book you know Gets into a lot of stuff. If you actually think about those sub things, if you actually look underneath what what's actually going on, instead of a big fight, you know, when the, they had the good, the bad, and the ugly, you know, it it was all over the place. But when you look at at, at the themes that they were they were thinking, like one, man ought to be free. Two, 
there's always something more out there that we can't quite see, but it's always perceived. And I say that because during the whole movie, there was always something more. There's always something more behind that next that uh, next um, battle, behind that 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 conversation that was had, like when um, the old wizard Gandalf was talking talking to either um, to Bilbo. He's like, Bilbo said that Gandalf, I ain't never held a sword in my life. He was like. Then I'd have you remember this, dear Bilbo. It, it's it's not the power. It, it's the power. The t- the power to take a life is is a grave thing, but what I want you to do is know when to spare one. Taking a life is easy. Sparing one isn't. So that that brings up the theme of how, um uh who's going to be judge. Um when. When Lady Galadriel was talking to talking to to Gandalf, she said, "Why, why choose them?" He's like, "Because I I'm afraid, and I really don't know, but I think that they they have something in them that that could change this whole world." And I'm paraphrasing, and he was talking about hobbits in particular. And, and then we got the issues about. About everybody, everybody's wanting power, but you got to think at what cost. Sauron, he was one of he was one of the uh, the greatest of the age, but he got he, he got taken taken for a ride that he could not return from because he chose to believe a lie. He he chose he believed that 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 everything was wrought with great power. And so he thought the bad guy, the the biggest bad guy of them all, and that was uh, Sauron, who created the rings of power, who who winked everybody in Middle Earth over them things. He thought that they're going to be the winning side, so I'm going to join with them. And, and Gandalf said, "Now, when, when, I thought it'll never be in my lifetime that Sauron the White would sit up and believe the lie." That was told to him. He took a fool's. He took a fool's journey. So it, it gets into a lot of things. It even gets into talking about that that because they were they were all looking for a king to unite them. And I'm talking about the people of Middle Earth, the uh, the human people. But they thought that the line of the kings were dead. But there was one guy who was coming on who was being transformed. Who was being changed by by the things he went through to take up what what was rightfully his, and in the same way we look to we 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 know that's an allegory between you know us looking for the king that's coming and Jesus who was already coming he's going to come again. So it, it had a lot of things that appoint you to the divine that appoint you to to look. We're, we're not talking about just. Uh, just a, a, a myth that's that, that's around us. We're talking about things that are happening and and things that can happen, but you have to choose to believe. And I don't even want to start talking about the the other races of people, the elves, the dwarves, the the orcs, the urukai, the everybody else, all these other other 
amazing creatures who were so far beyond human, but they, they, in some senses, they didn't want to change and they didn't want to grow beyond what they were. You, you, you make a good point. The allegory, uh, the, the symbolism in the in that series of movies, and and so many others, it, you know, really it, it takes on a lot. I, I remember uh, watching the movie What Dreams May Come. You ever seen that movie? Uh, and, and it details about the afterlife and gives Robin Williams he's acting in and kind of kind of helps the individual uh, wonder about the amazement. Of of the afterlife and and so many other things, of like that and that helps connect people to at least begin to to ponder what what could be once where this this life has ended what could be what will it be yeah. like and you know I, I stopped painting the portrait of uh, while I like to preach it every now and then because you know the older the people like to hear about the pearly gates the streets of gold the mansions and everything uh <laughs> you, you know, they like to hear that uh, yeah. But I, I mean, they still remain disconnected because that's a distant thing. That's their that's their hope for then, but yet they have no connection now. They have no mean their their means of connecting is through the rituals of the church. The church, you know, not the connect, uh, not the Holy One Himself mm-hmm. or the Divine Himself. Uh, look, look, I'm running out of breath. So let's take a quick break, and then we're going to wrap this up. Uh, we'll come back on the on the uh, back end and wrap up a little bit with the discussion. You tell us what you want to pay, and we give you a range of coverages to choose from. Who is she? That's Flowbot. She's this new robot we're trying out, mostly for, like, small stuff. Wow. Look at her go. She's pretty good. Pretty good. Hey, Flowbot. Great job. Oops. Uh-oh, Flowbot is broken. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. Call or click today. I need you. I feel so alone. But you're not alone. I knew you'd come. Like I could stay away. You know I can't do this without you. You'll never have to. You're always there for me. I'll get you a rental car. Don't use an umbrella. Fall in love with Progressive Claim Service. Friends, Mother's Day is only a couple of weeks away. And, and you know what? You can get all the best gifts that you can want to get. You know, you should be tired of getting the flowers. I know flowers are always good. But, you know, 
maybe you should consider something else. How about considering getting her some sweet dipped, chocolate dipped strawberries from Sherry's Berries? You know, mom always said be on time. So send her a sweet surprise on Mother's Day. And, you know, don't make her wait. Make her get it now. You know, celebrate. Get it to her this day. Get it to her early. Make sure you can give her the best. Right? You know, you can get her a dozen uh, of some of the best hand-dipped chocolate strawberries for as low as $29, you know, get that, get a cake to go with it, get a flower to go with it, get, you know, you can do all that, do, uh, you, can, you know what, you can double up and send her a two-day tribute, send her some chocolates one day, and then send her flowers the next day, you can get, hey, you can do that, and you know what, right now, Sherry Berries has a deal going on, and you can get in there, you can celebrate her twice, you can get $10 off dip pairs if you get it right now. It's easy. All you have to do is go by uh, berries.com, click on the radio block, and say that you've heard about it here on my show, and you can get that nice discount. But if you don't feel like calling, you know, feel like going to the website, call one eight seven seven berries and you'll get some of the best chocolate strawberries, chocolate gifts, cookies, you name it. They have it. Visit today, Sherry's Berries, berry, www.berries.com, or one eight seven seven berries Go ahead, get the best for mom. Don't just get a, a, you know, don't be bland. Get her some good stuff. She'll enjoy it. I, I know. And you, you know, you'll get some good for them too. Suits today aren't like suits from yesterday. Part of it is the cut of today's suit: short jacket, narrow lapel, moderate fit. But part of it is the cut of the man himself. Because today. It's not so much the brand of suit that defines the man, as it is the brand of man who wears it. You're going to like the way you look. I guarantee it. Friends, there's nothing as soothing as having a sweet aroma penetrate all of your senses. Peacock, the newest candle fragrance by Heatcentric, is that aroma. Peacock is a vegan hand-poured candle that fills the room with a soothing aroma that everyone is guaranteed to enjoy. Peacock by Hecentric is the fragrance developed by Lady Jocelyn Sanders that's designed to reflect the glory in everyday life. I guarantee you are not disappointed when you order your candle today from Hecentric. I have one at home and in my office, and I tell you, it's so good. It helps me relax at home, and it helps me concentrate and stay on task in the office. You need to order yours today by visiting LadySanders.com, and while they also pick up a copy of her book, The Encounter, I'm telling you, you will love both. Peacock by Hecentric, reflecting the glory in everyday life. Welcome back to Zero Today. Again, it's your host, Pastor Lorenzo Neal. I'm joined by my best buddy, my good friend. And earlier, I, I mistakenly called him my baby daddy because I can't have babies. But, you know, <laughs> but my God kid's father, uh, Thomas Arnold, and he's been gracing us and sharing with us uh, today on the show. And uh, Thomas, I'm glad that you've been here. 
uh, I mean, I'm, I tell you, I didn't get coffee this morning. I, I, I skipped breakfast. I'm feeling it, feeling it, man. I'm feeling it. I got, I got to get some energy in me, bro. <laughs> we told you to eat breakfast. Now we ain't gonna have to come back and see about you, are we? Yeah, <laughs> no, no, we good, we good, we good. Uh-huh. But, uh huh. <laughs> Let we're gonna close out this. Uh, <laughs> excuse me, this segment. We've been talking about uh, the past, alternative paths to the sacred, and I know we talked about uh, the feminine. We talked about the um, the body and. And we talked a little bit about nature, but I want to really get into this one. Uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with this, but uh, there, there, there are moments when we have such low points in our lives that we just can't seem to get rid of. And uh, uh, St. Thomas More coined this, this experience in, in life as dark nights of the soul. I, you know, those are just some very, very, very low points. Uh, David called. Uh, uh, David says, uh, "Why are my Why art thou disquieted within me, O my soul? Put your hope in God." You know he was experiencing such that low point, and he said, "I was in the pit. And you brought me out of the horrible pits and out of the miry clay." But I know everybody experienced moments like that, uh, and and Elkins invites us to allow those moments to a, to occur. To help us have a greater connection to the divine, to the sacred. Uh, I know in my one of the one of the for me, Thomas, and I know you know about because I've shared it with you. One of the darkest moments in my life was, uh, I think, right before I got divorced. This I was going through a lot emotionally. Uh, I, I lost uh, one of my mentors. I was in graduate school. I was working full time. Uh, Backyard Burger, I still love that place, man. You, you know, y'all don't have them up there anymore, but I got there are plenty here in Jackson. I get a chance to go to. <laughs> so you still get your fix, is what you're saying. I get my fix. I get my backyard burger fix. Uh, but I had all that going on, and I had that was one of the lowest points in my life, and yet I was still able, I'm still able to to minister. Matter of fact, I preached a sermon. And I still have that. I reviewed it. Uh, I still have the the manuscript from it. I preached a sermon that that was titled, The God I Sometimes Hate. That's how bad it had gotten. (laughs) And i never forget when I preached. I preached that sermon a couple of times. But the the time when I preached it, I preached it at St. John Church in uh, Pine Bluff. And the reaction that I got from that sermon was probably the most powerful and most powerful. motivating reaction that I got because I had members who were experiencing the same kind of dread, the same kind of, uh, you know, they, they were just at their bottom. And to hear, you know, they, would, they, they weren't trying to blame God. They knew it was God was going to do something. It just hadn't happened. And to hear me say to God, I sometimes hate. And I, I came from the scripture in Jonah where Jonah expressed that, that angst. Jonah expressed that after he had to give this message to to the to the people to repent, and he didn't like them. And, oh yeah, and, Jonah down hated Nineveh. <laughs> and, and 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 afterwards, you know, after he did the, the, the delivered the message, he went and sat under the juniper tree and got so depressed and got so mad at God, and God had to correct him. And then, you know, God allowed him to continue. But I had gotten to that point, and if it had not been for that point. 
I would not have been empowered to go forward. I'm, I'm just saying. I, I had a connection that took me to a another place in my ministry, uh, well, another place literally, because <laughs> I ended up moving. But it took me to another place that I am still benefiting, and I'm still, you know, I had someone actually, uh, I, I think that I did that message in 1998 or 99, uh, no, no, not, not 99, 2001. Is when I did that message uh, at at St. John Church. I had preached it before, but I, 2001 I preached it at St. John Church, and I had a member uh, about a year or two ago, a uh, little over a year ago, send me a message on Facebook. She was my Facebook friend. She was a student at UAPB, a college student. She was there when I preached that message, and they recorded it. And apparently, she had a recording of it. And she has been, you know, she's kept that with her all this time. And she sent me a message saying that that message blessed her and kept her during some of her most turbulent times in her life. You know, most people don't want to embrace that part of life, the down part, the the horrible part, the suffering, as Christ said. You know, what's your what's your take on that? You know, I'm sure you probably have one of those moments, a, a dark night of the soul. Well, I've... Yeah, I've had a few. I mean, I, I tend to be on the more optimistic side of the street, per se. But, yeah, I mean, with every last one of us, I'd say if, they, if a Christian nowadays in America say they run to depressing times in their lives, I'd say that they were lying. And why I say this is because you're already lying to yourself. So, so. With the present times of life, we got to learn how to embrace it just because it's a fact of life. It's a part of life. If you, if, are we going to accept the, the good from God and not, not the hardships as well? So that, and, and that rhetorical question that I think that came strictly out of the Bible when, when, when Job was talking, I believe, to his wife. Yeah, and that, that, it yeah. made me always think about it. He's like, look. Are we just gonna accept the good and not the bad? Like this is life. This is what this is. We we can't. All we have in this life is what to do with the choices that's been presented to us. And and everybody carries their burdens, but it ain't no for us to decide. It's just to decide what to do with the time is given to you. Are we gonna wallow, or are we gonna? Going to stand back up and still and still come to the realization and say, "Look, God, you're still good." So I'm going to get my butt up. And the word the word also says to stand. And of course, we know that it has to do with the armor of God, but it still says stand. And do a hardship like a good soldier. And when when we as Christians learn how to endure, we'll be better off. Sometimes I think we've we've sacrificed some of the points of the gospel uh, when it concerns when it concerns hardships, and that we always want to have prosperity, but we don't always want to deal with the fact that yeah, there's going to be hard times. And whoever spread that lie about after you get saved and, and that it's all going to be easy and peaches and cream and everything else, they were lying to you. Matter of fact, that lie came from the pit of hell. You can look at it if you want to joke about it. You can look at it like, um, 
um, on Coming to America, one of my favorite movies, is that when uh, uh, Joffrey Joffer was confronted by um, Lisa's little sister, like they were saying that Simi was the prince and Akeem was the servant. They all looked at her and said, who told you that? You're like, who lied to you? So in that same instance, we've got to learn how to deal with we got to learn how to... Um, one one thing we can cast our cares on the Lord. Another thing we can we can decide what else we're gonna do because if we sit there, we're gonna stagnate and get soured up, and we're gonna start acting like a bunch of clabbered milk. And clabbered milk don't do nothing but stank and get chunky. But what about those who, you know, are not Christian or have no religious affiliation? How can that help them? I mean, how 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 can they benefit from those dark nights, in, in, you know, without committing suicide? Because you know, and, and really now, even yeah, with the pastors, that, that, huh? I was about to say, yeah, that suicidal thing can be a natural reaction, even though the 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 strength of life that's in every one of us, that's about as most unnatural reaction as you can get. Contemplating is one thing. But going through with it, you're fighting against the very life essence that God gave every one of us. The strength to survive. I, I can I can attest to the strength to survive because I was born well over three months premature, and and yet when the doctors were pulling me out of my mother's womb, they was like, "Oh my God, this boy is still alive." Hmm. There's something to say about the 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 will to live. And everybody has that. That ain't just, you know, you know, relegated to one person or another or, or this group of people had a will to live and these folks don't. You know, that that's that's a human condition. And that's something that that you can say the universe or nature or that was planted in us because life wants to keep going on. The life that's inside of you wants to live on. And so for, for, for the people who don't ascribe to any organized religion, I have yet to see, I've, it's even evident in nature. We see it all the time. If you hadn't, just go outside and look around a while. Look at, take the ants, for instance. If one of them die, that doesn't mean all of them are dead, and they're going to still go on. You can you can rip out a part of his body, but it's still going to try to live. A cockroach, for God's sakes, will still live on even after you try to will still try to live on even after you try to rip off his head. If even they still have the will to live, what does that say about us? If we say we higher up on the food chain than than they are, should we act weaker than they are? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you got a good point there, man. You, you have a good point, and I, I think that's part of the thing that um, that we we miss as believers trying to articulate articulate that to to non-believers. You know, we we present the the this condes this condescending means of connecting to the divine. That uh, well, you know, you got to be this, 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 or you ain't gonna have this, 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 and it hurts. You know, I've experienced, I don't know about you, but I've experienced the church folk, you know, saying that even I 
good enough to <laughs> I didn't have a good enough relationship uh, <laughs> with God. I, I couldn't uh, have. Oh uh, yeah, that's happened. That's happened before. So. I, I, you know, I, I know that feeling all too well. <laughs> but look, uh, man, we uh, we come to the end of the of the program, and, and um, I, I just want to say I appreciate you for sharing this time with me, man. I uh, I enjoy the the dialogue, conversation, and the the funny moments. You let me have a little fun with you. <laughs> In the middle. Uh, always. No, I'm always game. Now, but before we get off there, you got anything, any shout-outs or anything, anybody you want to uh, send greetings, commendations, or anything to? Well, I want to send a shout-out to my dear wife who is indisposed at the moment, but, you know, she's listening in and, and smiling and trying to talk noise even as we're talking right now. So I'm going to send a shout-out to my dear wife who has given me the liberty to get on the program and... Yeah, she got me on lockdown. See, she's talking about it now. She, she got didn't know it, but she be trying to put me on lockdown. It's one of them um them off camera things. And so I, I I appreciate it, and I appreciate you for having me, and and your audience for taking the time to listen, because I know I'm strange, and I know I don't think um like other folks think, but it's been great and it's been refreshing, and that's all I got. <laughs> well, you know, you got you got more than I have. <laughs> but man, again, I appreciate you. Uh give the babies my love and um of everything. Course. And I'm ready for May to come cuz May is B day and I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. And again, fam, uh we're back next week the Lord will No, I I take that back. Uh we we won't be back next week. We'll be in revival, so we have a busy weekend. We got a retreat, a men's ministry retreat, a wedding, and then revival, all right back to back. So it's gonna be busy, busy, busy. But uh, enjoy the the great re- the rest of this week, beginning of the month, the best month in the whole year. I said it. Hey, I, I mean it. Got issue with it. It's October. Yeah. Uh, Hey, it's time on this too. But this is Pastor Wednesday and Thomas. We're saying thank you. God bless you. If you miss any broadcast, tune in. Uh, go to the Blog Talk Radio Show. You catch up. Uh, download the iTunes. Any way you can. We appreciate it. We're growing. We thank you. This is Pastor Neil and I'm out. Bless you. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.